You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. Scott. Welcome to Giants Among Men. Welcome. Thank you. It sounds like uh, I think we have a lot to get to today. None of it all that fun. (laughs) Yeah. I'm interested to see how this goes. I don't know if I'm... I don't know. I don't know what's on my mind. I don't know how I'm feeling. Um, But, you know, we'll talk through it and the listeners uh, will come with us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's a journey well let's a let's journey. be a little <laughs> let's be a little lighthearted off the top i want to ask you equestrian okay uh you're not a horse racing guy are you no no i'm not <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think that you were yeah, i'm not a secret horse racing fan uh that okay. i didn't know about but actually i, I love the ponies <laughs> <laughs> I like that we're starting here. This reminds me of like when Mike Francesa would always like take a whole episode to talk like <laughs> talk about like the Preakness or something, and you just have guys you know are on the phone like I want to talk about the Yankees, you know. And he's like, "We're going to be talking about Queen Mary today, a fine three year old." <laughs> oh, I loved it, and not not only would he do that, but he did it with like he did it as though we're all just as big a horse racing fan as we are Yankees right. fans or Knicks fan. Like you know, he, he, didn't he care, talked about yeah. it. Yeah, not not a real backstory to it. No, uh, right. It's six hours of the Preakness today. <laughs> <laughs> well, God. speaking of the Preakness, the Preakness took place this weekend. I don't know if you know about this. I didn't uh, really and it, know that, but yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's also, it's good you're not a horse racing guy because I did a very mild amount of research for this segment. And right. uh, I, I just read an article on ESPN.com and it included this quote from the winner's trainer, a guy named Kenny McPeak. Uh, he said... She's such a special filly. Just a real <laughs> honor to be around a horse right. like this. Very good. Like an honor to be around a horse. <laughs> yeah. I did okay. watch Tea Biscuit recently, which was a good movie. Um, but Yeah, again, I would like to see that actually. It's very good. Think, but you know, uh, it's I just like I don't know. They why are we why are we making horses race each other? I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, seems seems inappropriate. Yeah, and they talk. The whole thing was about how the horse, like, was the thing that made it so special. Was like its heart, you know. And you're just like, really? <laughs> just a great competitor. I'm sure that's true. I guess I don't know. Like, don't yeah. Know. Well, since you're not a horse racing guy, I'm gonna play a little game with you where I'm gonna give you uh, some fake names with the real name of the winner of the Preakness sprinkled in, and I want to see if you can guess the winner of the Preakness. Okay. All right, so here here are your options. So these are a bunch of potential horse names, and I need to guess who won the Preakness. Right, so I'm I'm gonna give you the winner, the name of the winner of the Preakness, and a bunch of horse names that I made up. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Ready? Lawn ornament, corduroy pants, (laughs) basket of kisses, Swiss skydiver, paltry sum. (laughs) <laughs> anti up mother's milk and don um paltry sum <laughs> that's that's a good guess and that is my favorite one that i made up okay <laughs> <laughs> I was, my second guess was going to be basket of kisses <laughs> no i took that from mad men 
And for those, maybe some of you caught this, but I, I, I chose the name Don from my one of my favorite Bobcat Goldthwait movies, Hot to Trot. Right. <laughs> uh, where when I tried to rent it when I was in like, I don't know, probably like fourth or fifth grade, I tried to rent it from Blockbuster Video and my mom gave me a really hard time about it. <laughs> I was like, what's the problem? It's just a movie with the talking horse and the guy from Police Academy. Like, right. I don't, why can't I watch this movie? And my mother goes... Hot to trot means a woman who's eager to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Too, <was> racy. Like, <laughs> Too racy. Too <laughs> racy. Can we just leave oh, Blockbuster God. now, please? Right. You've had a yeah. lot of trouble in Blockbuster videos. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you remember, there was, of course, the time when I randomly, out of nowhere, screamed at you <laughs> that I <laughs> did not want to watch a movie with lesbian sex. Lesbian <laughs> sex every time. <laughs> And then I believe I stormed out of the blockbuster, <laughs> leaving you in you the did. line. To, to right, and I was like, <laughs> I was like fourth in line rental. too. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. like next. <laughs> you right. screamed it, and I just right. stand there. <laughs> right, there was a substantial wait. <laughs> <laughs> like I probably should have left too, but I didn't have the wherewithal. Right. You had to. We had to get the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we're high school kids with nothing to do, no girlfriends. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh man, yeah, Blockbuster is a hot button place. Where I'm glad they're right. gone. Good riddance, Blockbuster. Right, that's true. I worked at a Blockbuster. Um, that's briefly. right, briefly. right. A man with a college degree. Right, working there after college, first job out. Just wanted to get to work, <laughs> <laughs> and then I just stopped showing up. That was how I retired from. <laughs> <laughs> from Blockbuster. And months later I went back there to rent a movie and they no one recon- no one recognized me, but I'm I'm renting the movie and the person is like, Are you Brian DeMena? I was like, Yes. They're like, Do you used to work here? And I was like, Yes, why? And they had it my last paycheck. Oh. <laughs> which I never had gotten. And it was like, you know, fifteen dollars or something ridiculous. But oh, and, like and they gave day. it to you. They gave it to me. Yeah. Yeah. What percentage of Blockbuster employees do you think ended their term at Blockbuster the same way you did? Just stop showing. Know, I just, right. I'm not, I'm not probably more than you'd think. Yeah. Right. Probably like 20% just yeah. stop showing up. Well, and now the joke's on you because Trump's going to tank the economy and you won't even be able to get a job at Blockbuster because That's they're true. gone. That's true. I'm going to have to so. put it back on my resume. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, and just real quick before we move on, the winner of the, winner of the Preakness was Swiss Skydiver. At 11 to 1 odds. Okay. <laughs> a fine cult. Uh, right. Yeah, no. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a filly. I don't know. These it, it, was a, it was a filly. So, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a horse. <laughs> that I know for sure. Right. No one cares. <laughs> right. And there was a man on top of it. <laughs> a tiny, tiny little man riding it. <laughs> well, now that we've dispensed with the gallantry, Brian, let's right. move on to more now, serious now issues. The fun part is over. <laughs> <laughs> the joyfulness is over. And yeah. on to the leader of the free world. Maybe now's a good time to do your ad read for the uh, the Wall of Lies or or what have you. That's true. What's the do Wall we, of Lies? Do we do that again? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think we have to do it every time actually. Okay. I thought it was um cuz it happened. Oh, it already um, happened? Yeah. Well, it's happening right now. Right. 
Well, let's look, let's save that for later. Look at us, fantastic <laughs> radio hosts, just debating whether or not we have to do an ad read. All right, this is good stuff. This is the this stuff is, you come to the Giants Among Men uh, podcast for. Just a couple of pros, everybody. Uh, yeah. Actually, though, I do. I will. I will say, uh, Rex Chapman tweeted out the wall of lies today. He tweeted about it. He uh, there was like a video on Twitter, and Rex Chapman put it out there for everybody. Yeah, you know, and actually, uh, Chuck Schumer um, went and took a look. Oh, so look, there you go. All right, right. ladies and gentlemen, listeners of all ages, if if you want to do an ad read, uh, or if you, I'm sorry, better than any of us, better than listening to Brian and I, if you want to know more about the Trump wall of lies uh, brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn, just go to either Chuck Schumer or Rex Chapman's Twitter feed, and you'll be also, much better off. Yeah. Also, the event it, it was Saturday and Sunday, so I think we're I think we're in the clear. Oh, uh, all right. Well, it's taken place, but it was amazing and it was really cool. And you know, this can lead us into our next topic, which is that Trump is a lying liar who lies all the time, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe dying of the coronavirus. Um, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. What do you think? Like, what, just give me your take on it. Cause I feel like we're, we have different, uh, interpretations of really the situation. So I, I want to know what you think first. Right. You know, um, I guess we can say like, you know, w- you know, we don't have to stick to sports here, right. On the Giants among men, we're, we're we can control our own destiny. Um, Shut up and dribble, Brian. Yeah. Like we can say one, you know, I guess we'll lead into it that, you know, coronavirus one seems to just be kind of rearing its ugly head again. You know, obviously there's an outbreak in the NFL. Cam Newton tested positive, missed a game that the Patriots sorely missed him. Titans had an outbreak that was pretty severe. Um, Their game got pushed off. And then we find out that also, in addition to a handful of NFL games, pretty much the entire government has it. The whole White House um including the president and he went to the hospital and then he 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 made his uh triumphant return to the white house last evening where he then climbed the stairs and posed on the balcony um seemingly wheezing and breathing very (laughs) uncomfortably um and standing awkwardly um as you could only imagine him just thinking in his head, just breathing normally, like one <laughs> breathes when they're not dying of a deadly virus. And then he walked in there. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know what we're doing in the world. Like, I just, today, like, has kind of, I've kind of t- gone off the cliff of just life. And, like, he's in there today. The lead story of the world today is that there is a madman infected with a deadly virus on the loose in the white house and right he's like, inside he's the inside is in there house. yeah right just walking around like an absolute lunatic and like we're all and no one can do anything about it like it's just like well that you know what i mean like he's on the loose <laughs> um in our in our nation's like most prestigious uh federal building and that's just we just that's what's happening like uh, and right, they were just accepting it. There's nobody, really, no one of any prominence is like, "What kind of an idiot are you? Like, what are what you are doing? You doing? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Go to the hospital. You're gravely ill." <laughs> um, and it's not even. He he also gets to the White House and then moments later releases a message 
where he basically <laughs> he basically claims that he got the coronavirus to show leadership. Right? right? It's like he had to go, he had to get out there and do it. He he couldn't sit back and not get coronavirus. <laughs> what kind of leader would that be? No, he had to go get it. Uh, it's just, un- and also, that I mean, so it seems fairly clear he was like at the debate with coronavirus, potentially right. exposing his opponent. Well, and he- um, no, go ahead. There's an episode of The Office where Michael Scott gives like a really like really like ridiculous explanation of what reverse psychology is. And I feel like this is what Trump is doing to Joe Biden. Like, I feel like he's trying to be like, maybe I can convince Biden to get it too. Maybe if I say that only a real leader will get coronavirus, Biden will go out and get coronavirus to match me. It's like, no, you're the only one dumb enough to do that. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, trying to spin it as some triumph of the human spirit. I just like, what are you? And then, taunting biden and kamala harris for being frightened of it (laughs) i mean (laughs) it's just unbelievable oh god i mean i just he had like and of course he has it he's just completely reckless right they don't take any precautions they're just i mean uh going to crowded arenas taking a nice little drive to wave at lunatics who come to the hospital to support him. Right. <laughs> no, oh my God, the little drive he took when he p- put some poor schmuck in there, like who's got to drive him around exposing themselves to like a very serious illness, you know, so that he can wave at his adoring fans. Um, <laughs> right. I don't know. It's just that nobody has the balls to just be like, no. You're not going to go do that. That's crazy. You're being crazy. <laughs> um, right. You know, and he's got these doctors out there lying for him. Like, I just, the way that every, you know, I don't know. I mean, what a lesson in just something. I don't even know what, but how easily it is to corrupt everything around you if you want to badly enough. Um, it's I know. I mean, I do. I was actually, I was at my parents' house in New Jersey this weekend, and you know, I was talking to my mom about it. Like, what? It's, imagine you're that doctor. What his name? Connolly or whatever? Or Conley? You're yeah, that Conley. doctor. You know, you grow up and your whole life, you're probably extremely bright compared to most of your peers. Then you go off to whatever, I'm sure some prestigious medical school and you're in the military. And even in that environment, you're like a very impressive person. And then you end up a top doctor at one of the top hospitals in the United States. And then in just one day, you have to go outside and give a press conference because your lunatic patient has forced you to. And from then on, that's who you are. That's what you're known for. And your credibility is utterly shot. Right. I know that you probably just so feels hard like for- and you're a lying liar now too. <laughs> I just don't get yeah. it. Like why they it, feel the need to like, it's all about his he, you know, that like, um, you know, like he's heroically battling this thing. I mean, it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. Right. Yeah. I don't know. And he, it's not heroic. It has not been heroic. There's nothing heroic <laughs> about riding in a car with a mask on, like sort of like, like 
meekly no. waving at people. Putting other people in danger for no good reason and wheezing heavily and looking like you cannot breathe. <laughs> I don't understand it. Uh, and this guy Connolly too this poor guy I sort of think sometimes too I've thought to myself in the past what's it like to be Mark Sanchez where you grow up again same thing your whole life you're this super good looking dude awesome athlete quarterback at USC you go to the NFL now you're the quarterback of the New York Jets and then for like a long stretch of your life after all that build up you're like for like a good chunk you're the butt fumble guy right <laughs> Right. You know? You're right. That was Conley's butt fumble. <laughs> but that was the medical version of the butt fumble. <laughs> right. But I mean, at least I guess like Mark Sanchez didn't do that on purpose. It just sort right. of happened to him. Conley right. went That's out true. there and like spoke. Right. Like, like that wasn't like the coach didn't send Sanchez in there. <laughs> All right, right. I want you to run right into his ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, coach, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You get out there. <laughs> Right oh up his God. butt. Oh, God. And, it, and at the same time this is going on, it sort of feels like the wheels are coming off the NFL a little bit. It does. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. You know, like, you know, I think it's going to go with this direction of everybody. You know, it feels like in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, it's getting a little scary again. Like, yeah. um, you know, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. It just feels like how are they going to wrestle this back to the back to the ground? Um. But, you know, uh, did see someone said, you know, baseball had that happen and then they were, you know, now we are in the postseason. And, um, yeah, that's true. So it's possible. But, yeah, it's definitely got to be a concern going forward. I think the Patriots are – I actually take some comfort in the Patriots. The fact that they were able to contain it to just Cam Newton and it's not spread through the team makes me feel hopeful. That, you know, even within a team, it's controlled because it does seem like the Titans are just a complete mess. But at least if not every team that gets it has it spread like wildfire like that, like we have a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why it hasn't been as bad in college football. I mean, they haven't really started playing that much yet. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, a lot of the teams weren't playing. Also, some of them, I mean, LSU, right? Didn't they have a huge outbreak? Like a lot of players got it. Yeah. I guess college rosters, too, are like double the size of pro rosters. So it's not, you know, quite the same. Yeah, you can lose 15 guys. (laughs) Throw some more bodies at it. (laughs) Well, I feel sufficiently depressed now. Should we move on to the Giants? Right. Now let's move to another uh, diseased organism. (laughs) Another terminally ill patient. Um, right let's talk about the new york giants (laughs) uh let's do it all right where should we begin how about let's begin with jason garrett okay let's get right to the offense let's get right in the nitty-gritty or should we stop and start at the top of the food chain and should we go with uh joe judge i don't know you know um I'm actually interested to hear your take on the game, like, um, rather than any specific part of it. I will actually say that this was Giants now went to zero and four. They lost another kind of heartbreaking game, seventeen nine, the Rams in L.A. And uh, maybe it's because I don't care anymore because they stink. But <laughs> I took some positives away from what I saw from the Giants, like. 
and we can get into all the stuff that's terrible and Jason Garrett is top of the list. Um, I guess that like the defense played so well and I, the second half, they were able to run the ball a little bit and the offensive line I felt for the first time in a long time, maybe established a little something. Is that like, am I being, am I looking for something? (laughs) Am I, Am I looking so hard for a silver lining that I found one? But I just saw like a little bit of positive in the second half. No, um, I don't. I don't disagree with yeah. you at all. Yeah, I, I left think feeling something. I felt something <laughs> when a I turned off of my sorts? television. I felt a tingling. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. it. I turned off the TV and felt a warming sensation. That that was depressing <laughs> and painful. But my body, something's happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, you're right. Like, first of all, the defense definitely showed something. The Rams are averaging 170 rushing yards per game, and we held them to 58 yards on 23 carries to a tune of two and a half yards a carry. I mean, that's a pretty big accomplishment, especially because the run game is a big part of the Rams' offense. Um, and, and they're really legitimately good at it. And our defense played legitimately well. That's right, not like a very flip. well. Like they they didn't turn it over. Or something we were stopping them. I thought Dex, uh, Dexter Lawrence had a big game. Like um, what Blake Martinez continues to be pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I think we was, got like, something with like, Tay Crowder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a little athleticism. Like he looked sharp. He looked good. Like I, it was like okay, okay. That was something. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we still don't have any good players. <laughs> like, we still haven't right. added any players. You know what I mean? But we were still, right, right. we played really well. So I feel like that's promising. I feel like we got something, we really got something with Patrick Graham. Um, you know, this is a legit offense that we just shut down. Right, so, and completely shut them down. You know, they had one big play, um, which happens. And sometimes I, I like, um, a big play touchdown doesn't bother me as much as like when you just can't stop anyone, you know, big plays happen. Sometimes you make mistakes and they lead to that. So, you know, they can be a little fluky. Um, but other than that, we really, you know, you could tell they were really struggling to move the ball on us. Totally agree. And I, I do think even the big play, I think it's fairly easy to explain. And it's funny because we've, uh, you know, last week, I think we were joking about Jason Garrett's hurry up offense and how it seems to have no point to it whatsoever. It's just like a random thing he does. And I think the Rams really got us like they were in a hurry up and they used it pretty effectively. And that's what happens when you're using it well and you have purpose behind it was it caused a little bit of defensive confusion. We had kind of an ill-timed substitution there and there was just nobody in the middle of the field and they hit it. Uh, and, you know, like, again, that's just had a good strategy and good execution on their part. And it's not really like we just got outclassed or something or, you know, pushed around. It was just a, you know, they caught us. It was a good play. Yeah, right. No, I mean, um, I, I, there was like nothing, you, no negatives you could really take away from how the defense played and a, and a lot of positives. And especially with a young defense, that we're trying all trying to talk ourselves into and yeah you know first year defensive coordinator who like you know I think there's some reason to be excited about what he's doing even you know the San Francisco game like I think you could explain it you know I think it was kind of the lack of offense sort of coming you know caused us to crater there a little bit Um, but otherwise I think you know he's doing some things that make you I don't know, optimistic about where the defense is headed, especially a defense that I just didn't think I thought could be terrible. So, right. you know, to have it at least something going in a positive direction 
um, I guess I'll take it. And I do think, and I think you said this earlier too, that the offensive line is also going in a fairly positive direction. My sort of take on that is I think Nick Gates is finally starting to get it. I mean, it's not that I dismissed it. I feel like I just kind of ignored it. But the fact that he moved from tackle to center and he wasn't necessarily a great player to begin with either, that's a pretty tough transition. Um, And I think that it's probably taken him a while to click but I think he did a much better job and that really helps everybody else on the line. Yeah. And we were finally got at least a little bit of a running game going. I mean, I, I was kind of laughing about it because we sort of got it going when we were down eight with like minutes to go. And you're like, well, I don't know that this is the right time to establish our running identity, <laughs> but, but it was like at least something, you know, and, and it was genuinely, uh, you know, the line seemed to take control of, of the line of scrimmage, you know, and we're saying all this in a game, we scored nine points. So I don't want to go overdo it, but right. uh, <laughs> at least like, there was, there was something there to be um, optimistic about. And I do still think, you know, I think you, you started this segment as like maybe talking about Jason Garrett. Like I, I do feel like th- something's got to be done there, you know, <laughs> Like I, I, it continues to be confounding that they have turned this offense over to that guy. Um, so you asked me this question, I don't know, it was on text or something the other day. And I think it's a good question. Why did he take this job? Why do you think he took this job? I don't know. Why did, why did he take the job? Like, what does this do for him? I mean, if anything, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, Jim Fossil, the old Giants coach who led them to a Super Bowl and then mysteriously, like, never got another job. But one of the only other really high-profile jobs he ever took was was being the offensive coordinator to the Ravens with Brian Billick. And Billick, you know, had had trouble turning that offense around. And, you know, he was sort of known, had been known as an offensive guru and whatever. He brought in Fossil to be the OC and then fired him in the middle of the, his first season and I think like destroyed his reputation. And so for me, like Garrett is kind of doing the same thing where like, who's going to hire him now? Whereas if he had just sat out, look, this is whatever you think of him. He was a 10 year head coach with the Cowboys made the playoffs a bunch of times. Like, yes, they underachieved always, but there was a certain competence. I think that you can argue he, he had established. He wasn't a disaster there. Um, You know, couldn't you've seen like, a team like the Bengals, if they continue to be terrible, like hiring a Jason Garrett, who's kind of a name and maybe like, uh, you know, brings them some credibility, like a franchise like that. Um, yeah. Where now he comes to be the Giants OC, like he's doing a terrible job. He's destroying any reputation he did have. And he was never known as an offensive coordinator. So it's like weird that he would, that anyone would think he would make sense. Um I mean, he literally got stripped of his play calling duties by the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, by Jerry right. Jones. They took, they were like, no, you don't get to call play. You get to stay the head coach, but you don't get to call plays right. anymore. Because that's not, you're not good at it. Yeah. Um, Do you think that he thought he could work with Daniel Jones? Do you think that played into it at all? Probably. Maybe he liked Jones and he liked Saquon Barkley and he thought, okay, I can go there and, you know, we yeah. can have a good season and then I'm, I'm it's a high profile place. Maybe he always liked. Maybe he did have a relationship with the owners and thought this was the right you know place for him to be. But um, I don't. I have see, a little. Yeah, it's gonna work out for him. I have a little theory about Daniel Jones. Um, 
than I think has to do with Jason Garrett coming to work with Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is the Kavorka for old football dudes. And <laughs> he's the lure of the animal. Right. And I think like Corona, senior citizens are for, far more at risk to being lured by Daniel Jones's Kavorka. <laughs> so, yeah. So you have Dave Gettleman, he goes down to the senior bowl and he falls as as he famously said in full bloom love with him. Right, and you right. you know, you figure uh John Mara is the same way. And then you have Jason Garrett, you know, he's in his fifties, he's not quite as old as Gettleman, uh, but you know, he's in his fifties, he's vulnerable yeah. to it, you know, to it also. Uh, but it's you know, true. Like judging... Daniel Jones is like who you'd like your daughter to show up with from who pick show up to pick your daughter up for the prom, you know? Right. Like, oh, Daniel Jones. Oh, Daniel. Well, she'll be fine. Like Danny, have her home by ten. He's like, no problem. <laughs> You're like, oh, she's gonna have a good time, but nothing too crazy is gonna happen. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and then you got Joe Judge, and he's like more our age, so he's like susceptible-ish, but he's not all in. He's just like really desperate for him to be good, you know? Right. He needs it to be <laughs> and, good. And like, yeah. Right. And then you just feel like the true Kavorkaians that are, you know, Gettleman, Mara, Garrett. You know, it's even funny the way that they like think about Daniel Jones as the player. Like they just, oh, just stand in that pocket, Danny boy. Just stand there, nice and tall. Don't you take off running? Don't you run, buddy? You just stand in that pocket. You stay there as long as you want. Yeah, I think there's some lure there for them uh, that Daniel Jones has. I think that had something to do with Garrett coming. Yeah, that could be. That makes sense. I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I mean, I, you know, I think maybe he just thought we had enough, um, enough pieces and like he could, you know, rehabilitate himself quickly with, with the spotlight of New York, I guess. I, I don't know. You know, it's he obviously probably loves coaching. He didn't want to take a year off, I guess. Yeah, and I think the the personnel kind of fits what he wants to do too. Like he could probably see Saquon as Ezekiel Elliott, and I don't know, you know, maybe he sees Daniel Jones as having some Romo esque moxie to him or something. It was like some sort of comfort within the personnel. But uh, we were also missing the dominant offensive line that Dallas had for most of his time there, so that didn't help him. Yeah, and he's terrible. He's a disaster, and I thought they should have stripped him of his duties at halftime um but <laughs> barring that i think it should happen sooner rather than later and uh you know that should happen like it just should yeah and there's no offensive creativity either and i mean it's it killed me actually i i caught some of the uh some of the browns uh dallas game and i kind of thought that that the cleveland coach stefanski i was worried that the giants were going to look at him and i thought he would kind of be like a younger Shermer or something like that but i mean he's pretty good we just have no creativity for like evan engram stinks this year why why is it that we never see evan engram lined up on the outside with a guy wearing a number in the 50s on him that you yeah. know we don't like identify man coverage get him out there with just some like schmo who cares linebacker and just run him deep why does that never happen like you see the patriots do it we have former patriots guys on the staff is anyone talking to each other right yeah I, you know like it's hard for me you know i will confess I, I don't i'm not like wise enough to really dissect the scheme but it's just all i can like kind of respond to is like i know what i've seen from this guy for 10 years in dallas and then he comes here and we have decent i mean we don't have great offensive personnel i'm not like why aren't we the Rams, you know, but we shouldn't be scoring 10 points a game. We haven't scored a touchdown in 
fucked in eight quarters. Like, you know, again, if you're trying to like teach your children what football is all about, you can't even show them. You can't properly explain what a touchdown is yet. You know, (laughs) (laughs) well, what is it? I don't, well, next game I'll show you. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. You don't have to be even that sort of schematically advanced to just know, like, I mean, even I look at the Bengals offense and it's sort of like, they're not good, but there's some fun things they do. Like we don't do anything fun. There's nothing nothing fun. Yeah, there's we no like. Suck. I don't know if you saw last night if you watched the Chiefs um, Pats game at all, but they scored on a little uh, shuffle pass to Hardman, who's that super fast wide receiver they have. That was just like a play that felt like out of a time machine compared to us, you know, where you're just like, I've never. Right. It was like they had guys going eight different directions and then a little shuffle pass, get this guy going fast, you know. Um, yeah. And you're just, uh, yeah, just none of that. No nothing just just nothing Nothing. um and and i i don't know i I, and i also feel like uh it it wasn't a banner day for joe judge either honestly yeah Um, like the fourth downs and stuff yeah i i do want to get your take on well yeah what do you think about the fourth down stuff do you think uh we should have been more aggressive or you think we played it close to the vest because the score was close I mean, I think it's a little bit of that. I, I you know, my my pers- personally, I would I like always like to be a little as aggressive as possible on fourth down. Um, there was there, I, you know, I can't recall the exact situations. There was definitely one I thought he should have gone for it that he punted, um, but I think there was also one that I thought I was okay with. You know, the defense was playing so well, but it was but the, the flip side to that is like you can say that oh, the defense is playing great. I don't want, I want to pin them deep. Uh, on the other hand, the offense is playing so poorly. You only have, a, you know, you got to take advantage when you're in position. And as well as the defense was playing, you kind of knew that, like, at some point they were gonna, there was gonna be a crack. You know, like that was just too good an offensive team. You know, right. you, the more you just can't keep giving them those chances. So, uh, you know, I I get where he's coming from, but he's been disappointingly conservative on fourth down this year and he's you know he's gone for it several times so i'm sure he would be like what i'm going for it a decent amount it's like yeah still you should still be pushing it more like personally yeah i agree i I, the fourth downs were not that big of a deal to me especially in a tight game i i don't see that there's a whole lot of harm in in skewing a little conservative especially if you're in a tight game but you know a few things like again i think joe judges uh you know, the big selling point on him is, you know, as a special teams coach, he's supposed to have a handle on situations. And, you know, for one, inserting Matt Pert to just get a tryout over Cam Fleming on the final drive of the first half when we have the ball and a chance to score in a tight game. Like it yeah. felt like a week. And then after the game, Judge says, we're going to play all the guys who are at the game. So there's really nothing that happened in the game that dictated anything that we did situation wise on either side of the ball. So you didn't let the game dictate whether or not you were going to put a rookie in at right tackle in an important situation. You're just like, eh, who cares? Give yeah, it a let's try. Put him in there. I want to get him some experience. Yeah, right. I, you're right. It made no sense. Also, Cam Fleming's been playing decent. So it was just like, hey, I just want to get this guy in there. Yeah. Now. <laughs> and develop him. I'm like, what? Right. You didn't have a preseason. And like, what? So you used like a, the one of the more critical drives of the game to like get him a little experience. I mean, I don't know. 
I've just never heard anybody do that before. Um, right. I've, I've heard of that ever. Coach in the NFL suggests that he was like using a few reps in the middle of a of a real live game to like get a young guy some experience. I mean, if I did that, if I did that in a high school game, I was coaching. I can't even imagine the expletives that would have been screamed at me by just about everybody else on the sideline. Like, you're choosing now to do this? What are you yeah. doing? Yeah. And I mean, that was that was kind of just the most obvious weird thing about. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking about it's the end of the half. We got three fifty-two on the clock. Two timeouts plus the two-minute warning. Rams are up by a touchdown, and then we drive. And we, we, you know, we really, we marched down the field and we end up kicking a 37 yard field goal on second down with Joe judge having a timeout still in his pocket. So we didn't use that timeout. We're not going to like take a shot. Like what that whole thing. I just thought that that was going to be what judge brought to the table. And just right. that whole thing felt like a disaster. And we had some pretty like killer penalties too. And it's like, again, we heard about all the, the accountability laps that the guys took. Uh, you know, we had three false start penalties with no crowd noise at all. Uh, we had, we really, we really seemed to love those try and get the defense to jump off sides plays. And we were doing that with one second left yeah. in the first quarter. And Kevin Zeitler jumped off sides to turn a third and eight to a third and 13. And we ended up having to sell for a field goal because of it. Like, so I don't know that the laps are working. Right. That's what I mean. All the anytime it's like accountability. It's like, look, they all are trying for accountability. Like nobody's, uh, I don't know. Maybe some coaches are worse at it than others. But yeah, um, I, I see what you mean. Like you, the, the selling point for him was like, okay, game management, in-game strategy, like um, smart team. Like you haven't really seen any of that um, come to play. I don't know, I'm laughing at myself because when you asked me what I what, what did I think of Joe Judge, I looked at I was looking at some notes I had and I, all I had was I don't like his sweatshirt. <laughs> Actually, that's the kind of analysis that <laughs> I'm no, sick of his sweatshirt. I saw that, and I have a few follow up questions for you about that. Actually, but uh, I, I have a few follow ups right after this break. Uh, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. And we're back. So <laughs> what is it you don't like about, is it the sweatshirt, the design, or the way that he wears it? I don't know. I just, something, it was something about <laughs> it. Like, <laughs> it's just, he just looks sloppy to me, you know? It's like the Belichick thing of I'm going to wear these gross hoodies. Like, I don't know. Show some pride. <laughs> You so know, if you are flashing to McVeigh, he looks great. He's in great shape. He's got his, he had like whatever shirt he had on. He looks fantastic. Then we look at our guy. We got some schlub in a gray, gross sweatshirt. Just looks like a slob. <laughs> so if you were an NFL coach, whose, whose sideline fashion would you model yourself after? Well, I don't have the physique for like a Sean McVeigh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'd certainly opt for more that more of that look. I, you know, athletic. I feel like I'd like to look like an athlete over there. Um, so you like you want to blend with the with the guys? Maybe uh, no, I just want to look like I'm, I'm there for athletics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, this this take was brought to you by my mother. Um, but somehow, I just something about his grass is like you look stupid. <laughs> I don't like that sweatshirt. 
<laughs> I kind of like it. I just I couldn't pull it off because I can't pull my sleeves right. up ever. I can't handle sleeves up. I don't like what it does. I can't do it. I admire right. him actually. <laughs> right. I guess he shouldn't be wearing. He shouldn't be dressed like Tom Landry over there. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Maybe that's you know that would be weird too. <laughs> that that might be a good transition over to the Cowboys, uh, because actually Cowboys, uh, they're very they're they're embattled defensive coordinator Mike Nolan. He uh, he used to dress up in a, a shirt and tie on the sidelines in his That's head coaching true. days. Yeah, you know, did you know that he's not allowed to do that anymore? Why you like have to wear like NFL gear? Yeah, you have to wear a team approved apparel. They made that rule in, apparently in two thousand six, and I guess. Him and Jack Del Rio were the the two weirdos wearing ties, and yeah. uh, they some compromise happened where they got to do it twice a year if they want to. Oh, so funny! Yeah, <laughs> weird, right? That is weird. Yeah. Uh, I right. mean, what's like, weirder? Yeah, you I have guess to be an advertisement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically, right? Yeah. Right. What's weirder that they that they're forced to be an advertisement, or that Mike Nolan was opting for the tie on the sideline? I don't think it's that weird to do it. I definitely think it's very weird to do it like one game a year because that's your allotment. Like at that point, yeah, are you just like the hell with right. it? Like, you know, like, no. All right, good. I at least get my one. It's like, why? <laughs> Didn't Jack Del Rio also sometimes wear a leather jacket on the sidelines? I think you're right. That See, now we're talking. Now. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't now know. You've got your I just, I want, like, really what I'm saying is I want Joe Judge to be a better coach. And maybe he right. is. I, you know, I don't know. I'm seeing some stuff. Maybe all hope is not lost, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been pretty high on Judge, but I, I was a little perturbed this week, honestly, with the, yeah. just the way some of the situations are handled, the penalties, like. I don't know, but I guess it's also too, too. We just look like such a disaster on offense. Do you? I sent this. I texted this play to you, but uh, I, I think uh, somebody pulled it on. I saw it on Twitter. I remember. I noticed it during the game because I during the game, you know, when you don't have the the back angle or whatever at it, I was sort of like, "What the hell is is Daniel Jones looking at?" But um, but then you know, you see the the all twenty two of it or whatever. Basically, you have. The offensive line, Freeman, who was the running back in on that play, and Daniel Jones are all acting like it's a pass play all the way. Like you just see, you could see that they think it's pass. And none of the receivers run routes. Zero receivers run a route. On everyone else is acting like it's a pass play. What on right. earth could have possibly been happening there? Yeah, he just eats the ball. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that was the time when everybody just like fell on him, basically. Oh, it's yeah. awful. <laughs> All right. Well, this begs the question that you normally ask me, but I'll ask you this week. <laughs> Scott, is Daniel Jones good? <laughs> uh, Brian. Yeah. I don't think so. I right. don't, I, you know, I know you, I know, I don't know, Brian. I think, you know, here's the thing is that, you know, you're, we were, we graduated high school together, but you are a year older than me. You were born in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> and I was born in 1981, and that makes you the youngest of the Gen Xers and me the oldest of the millennials. Right. And I think that as a millennial, I am more impervious to the Kavorka of Daniel Jones than you are. <laughs> I think you're slightly more susceptible, and I think you, you're, you're, you're hungering for him to be good a little bit more. So I think you're holding out a little bit more hope. 
I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think if we have a, a like a top three pick in the draft this year, we you know we figure it out. I see. I don't agree. I wouldn't take anyone other than the, the one guy. Um, Just Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Um, and uh, we have so many other needs. I don't know. I mean, I I agree. Like to me. If the if the question is is Daniel Jones good, I'm not prepared to say yes. If the answer, if the question is is Daniel Jones bad, I'm also not prepared to say yes. Um, you know, I liked I liked some things that he did even in that game. Like he, you know, he's got some toughness. He's got a little bit. He's got that good quality of like he doesn't let things bother him. And then you know, I mean, I say this, he has been an absolute turnover machine. <laughs> Um, but I, I just feel right. like, again, like, I, I think the scheme has not served him well at all. Like I, I, there's been so much dysfunction around the giants offense. That's not specific to him. And he still does just a lot of things I like. And I do think he's athletic and the way he moves. And I think he makes a lot of good passes. Um, I think he, you know, he, he, he's missed some throws of late, but I still think he is ultimately an, a pretty accurate thrower. So I'm not prepared to like, I'm not done with Daniel Jones yet. Um, I'll say that. Yeah, I, I am with you. I'm not done with him. And, you know, I, for, well, he did fumble again. Can I just say that? He did. Yeah, he did fumble he, again. He did it again. What is wrong with you? Yeah, you did it. Like, he did God. it. He did it on the ground. Uh, now now it's just now we're just at the point where daniel jones hasn't lost a fumble in a while or this week or whatever yeah you know yeah uh no you're right like he has a skill set and i think we talked about it last week like could he be jared goff yes could he be uh josh allen i don't know anymore hopefully but i mean i know i don't i mean now josh allen's like i've never been more wrong about anybody in the history of football but like (laughs) josh allen is like now i think an elite quarterback the guy's uh, looks amazing yeah Um, well i think what i like about him though was that you were wrong about him with a good amount of evidence you know i mean he wasn't that good at the beginning of his career what i really love about him is like the way he's improved you know yeah yeah uh, so I don't know, maybe there's hope, but I do, you know, from what I've listened to, I, I do think this is a three quarterback draft. Uh, you have, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and I, you know, I, whatever, I do have an Ohio state bias towards Justin Fields, whatever. Uh, and then there's this guy from North Dakota and I don't see how we could go wrong there because that's where Carson Wentz is from and no one has <laughs> right. a bad thing to say about him. <laughs> right. So, also, that guy's <laughs> played one season. I know he has, he literally threw zero interceptions, but, um, that would be a tough one for me. I mean, I will say I was, and I think I texted you this, I was watching the Chargers play and like Justin Herbert is definitely is who we all hope Daniel Jones is. <laughs> like right. he's big, he's fast, he's got a cannon. Um, and he was the sixth pick in the draft. <laughs> and he was <laughs> yeah. the sixth pick in draft coming from a really great program who played a lot of really big college games and was very productive in college, which is... right. Typically, how one decides to draft a quarterback is usually at least a decent process for figuring out who to choose rather than somebody who lost to Wake Forest by, like, 50 points. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, All that said, like, 
look, the rest of the season is all about determining if Jones is, which is even more why I just do hope that they can, he doesn't let Garrett just kind of sink this whole thing. And he's got a guy, um, you know, his quarterback coach, what is his name? Stapunsky. Is that the guy's name? Um, yeah, it's close to the Cleveland coach. So I always get it wrong, but yeah, yes, something along those seemingly, lines. Seemingly. He brought, he really would, you know, he brought him in to be his quarterback coach. That to me is probably his guy, right? Like, um, yeah. And it's almost another, the most annoying thing about Garrett, right? Is that he's so high profile as an OC that it's like this awkward, you know, it's going to be a big deal if you want to like pull the play calling duties from him. Um, so what do you think the odds are that he does get those duties pulled from him this season? I don't know. I mean, I would put it really low, right? The Giants, I just, they depro- and it's a first-year coach. But I don't know, right? right? I mean, if you're like 0-6, right? Like, and Daniel, if we're still averaging 10 points a game, you got to do something. Right. Right. I mean, we haven't scored a touchdown in, what, right. two weeks? I mean, getting Daniel Jones <laughs> to play well is, like, the only thing that matters. Like, <laughs> and if you're Dave Gettleman, like, the only hope you have to keeping your job is Daniel Jones starting to look good. Like if he stinks, right. Like, and if he's bad, I mean, this God, yeah. Then like, right. We're drafting a quarterback next year. And like, Oh my God, you know, like we're, yeah, <laughs> we're in hell. Um, so, you know, maybe it's on the table, you know, I don't know. I sure hope it is. Yeah. I mean, this season, we've scored three offensive touchdowns in total. We've had 10 possessions in the red zone so far. Three out of 10 times, we've come away with no points. Not a touchdown, <laughs> not a field goal. <laughs> Two out of 10 times, we've scored a touchdown. So we have, come, we, have, we have gone to the red zone and not scored any points more than we've gone to the red zone and scored a touchdown. <laughs> we're, we're averaging... Uh... Two point, we're averaging 2.9 points per trip to the red zone. We're averaging less than a field goal every right. time we get into the red zone. I, I just, just how, a touchdown. <laughs> right. I, I want to score a touchdown. I want to see a touchdown. I just want to see a game where at the end of the game, <laughs> the game's over. And I'm like, well, that was a good game. Boy, that was a right. fun was- game. What a fun game that was. And then I, you know, maybe have sex with my wife that evening and it's a little bit better than normal. Than, you know, and I have a couple, an extra glass of wine and I tuck my kids in with a smile on my goddamn face for once. Like, is that too much to ask? I just want to, like, watch a fun game. Right. Right. I don't know. It does seem like it is too much to ask, unfortunately. <laughs> it's been so long since you're like, boy, that was a fun game, right? I mean, it's like the, right. the last two Eli years were just painful. It was just like watching him, you know, watching your dad, uh, you know, uh, get beat up by your arch your, your, your rivals dad or something, you know, like, um, <laughs> yeah. and then just, it's just, oh, God, so depressing. And now, you know, you think you got this good quarterback or young quarterback. I like him. I want to like him. Um, God, I got a folder full of Danny Dimes gifts on my phone that I never use. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Uh... But maybe if it turns out he stinks, those will become even better. You know, I'll be sending out tons of those if he's terrible. Yeah, no, it's it's like when an artist dies, the value of the art goes up. It's right. like the same thing. Right. It's like one of those Trump beat coronavirus coins that, you know, like... Uh, yeah, $100. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
all right, let's uh, let's let's jump to a more positive topic uh, after another quick ad read here. If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or Google Play Store for Android. All right, Brian. Uh, the the Yankees are are now up one nothing in their series against the Tampa Bay Rays uh, last night. An offensive explosion late in the game. Uh, it was a tight game, and then uh, Giancarlo Stanton put it away with a nice little grand salami. Uh, but right now, this entire series is being played in San Diego, where the Yankees and Rays, who have had a very tense relationship for a couple of years now, and it really boiled over uh, this season, they're sharing a hotel in San Diego. So my question to you is, what do you think are the most awkward run-ins at the ice machine? <laughs> right. I, why is everybody trying to sell me so hard on this, like, the Yankees and Rays bad blood, though? <laughs> like, nobody cares about the Rays. Like, just don't give me, you know, like, you don't, you don't, you feel nothing about the Rays. Like, tell, admit no, it nothing. to me right now. Nothing. No, I, I do admit it. As a matter of fact, when I was thinking about this bit for the show, I came to the conclusion that the most awkward ice machine run-in would probably be Gary Sanchez and Garrett Cole. Right. <laughs> who are just two Yankees. So I don't really right. think it's That's like a big deal. That's probably true, right? Like, oh, hey. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what difference does it make who catches the ball? <laughs> it makes a big difference. You stink at it. <laughs> and he drops a he drops it coming out of the vending machine. He's like, yeah, yeah. there it goes. Another one got through your legs, Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, don't, I, I don't definitely agree with you. Blood between these two franchises. Uh, I don't know. Do you care about the Yankees either? I like I I I can't decide if I'm like. Um, you know, I'm not. I have not been as watching as much baseball this year. I think partially the pandemic. It's just the no crowd and whatever. Mets kind of were de- de- or disappointing. And you know, as you know, I used to work at Major League Baseball, and we would talk about the declining, you know, the uh, demographic problems that the sports running into and waning popularity, blah blah blah. And I never, I you know, I was sort of shielded from it because I was like, well, everybody loves baseball because <laughs> I was talking about it all the time because I worked there and it's on TV every day and whatever. Um, and now I don't work there and I just like find myself, um, not paying that much attention to it. And I feel like even the, even the Yankees, and I know now it's like the Yankees haven't won in a while. So maybe there is some excitement and I'm not listening to the fan every day. Like I used to. So maybe people are calling in like crazy and I don't know. What's your fit? Like, are you into this? Are you, do you, what happens if the Yankees lose this series? What is Scott Ishii's feeling in his soul? Yeah. No, it's 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 a very interesting question, and I think it's it's a really great question, and I think it has a lot to do with what are your relationships with the sport, what are your relationships to the teams. I mean, the thing about the Yankees is is that they had a ton of success when we were in high school, so you do yeah. feel like satiated from a success standpoint as a fan. But it's now been eleven years since they won a World Series. And even in that time, there's a lot of like disappointment that somehow doesn't feel like heartbreak, though. Like, no, it's very true. And I will also say that that parenting has had probably the biggest impact on my baseball fandom than anything else, where it's just like, you know, you get you end up like you miss stretches of games and then you're just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. Am I really going to like tune in now to watch three innings and have my wife be sort of annoyed that we're just not watching a movie together? Like, is it even worth it to me? Like, I do think that baseball is a sport where 
Right. If you're not into the day in, day out, and I really am not most years, especially since I've become a parent, I will say I've been a little bit more into this playoff run. I don't know why, because it's 2020. Um, so what difference it makes to me that my father lives in Florida versus New Jersey. But for some reason, I, it's probably more the pandemic than the fact that he lives in New Jersey now. But we've been texting a lot more uh, yeah. during these Yankee games, which has really helped. It's really gotten me like centered around the series. Um, yeah. But no, I feel you because, right, like, you know, an Ohio State loss, devastating. Giants are terrible, right. devastating. Knicks are bad. I tell myself I'm numb to the Knicks being bad, but I am not numb. I'm in constant right. pain. You angry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With the Yankees, it is a different feeling. And probably a lot of it has to do with how I grew up with it and, and now the frequency of it. Yeah. I don't and know. It's a good, good question. It's like background music, sort of. I feel like the yeah. Yankees could actually use like a game seven World Series loss. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think the franchise needs that. They, they need some passion back. I really blame. I really think a lot of it has to do with A Rod and the yes. best player on the Yankees for a decade. The fan, the fans, Yankee fans hated their best player for a decade. Like <laughs> hated him. Right. Nobody liked him. And he kind of rehabilitated himself with that one year after steroids, after the suspension where he kind of was a decent guy. And then like now people, you know, whatever. Now people hate him as an announcer for different reasons, whatever. He sort of rehabilitated <laughs> his image. But there, I just do feel like it's a weird thing to have a franchise where the fans hate the best player for like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> and of no investment in his success, you know? Yeah, no, that's a great point, actually. It's so true. And, like, the whole steroid, like, I don't even care about steroids. I'm on the same page as you. Give them steroids. Let them use them. Who cares? But then it, like, took all the juice out of his 500th home run. It was it was, it was a very right. weird experience to have A-Rod yeah. on the team and to know that he's awesome but also know that he's such a loser. Like, who right. cares if he's good bird. or not? I actually like A-Rod because I'm not a Yankee fan. And I get a kick out of him. But... <laughs> right. <laughs> and I like I mean, watching it... him torture you all. And just all this like Jeter angst. And like it was just this weird vibe around there forever. Um... Right. And look, I'm sorry too. That is a blemish on Jeter. Like Jeter, you did not have to like A-Rod. You just didn't have to tell all of us you didn't like A-Rod. Right, right. Right. You made you know, it awkward. It was like an awkward marriage for so long. It was just watching yeah. like, you know, like a friend of yours married to the wrong person for five years and you're just like this is uncomfortable no i know you don't have to set him up with one of your floozies derek but just right. like at least pretend to the media that you don't hate his guts right right yeah right right give him what? a little bit of like welcome him a little bit yeah hide it a little bit right yeah true Although, I don't know. Was A-Rod just so intolerable? <laughs> Jeter just, I can't do it. This guy sucks. You guys don't get it. My hot take is A-Rod's the nicer guy, um, and Jeter's a terrible person. But, you know, I'm, I, <laughs> that's a totally biased opinion based on nothing. Um, I mean, I also don't disagree with you, but I, Jeter, I still like Jeter better. I, you know, of course like, you do. I, I don't believe, of course. Yeah. How could you not? Yeah, well, right. Yankee, if a Yankee fan that likes A-Rod better is a strange person. Yeah, no. So I'm going to encourage our fans to uh, subscribe to the Radio Free Brooklyn newsletter uh, with new programming and announcements about uh, events at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. The radio show is about to end, so thank you for joining us. And if you want to stick with us to hear our final segment, please download us anywhere you get your podcast at the Giants Among Men podcast. Okay, Brian, this is bonus time for the podcast fans now. 
Oh, this exciting. Is, yeah, this very exciting. New. I'm excited. <laughs> so it is. It is. It's yeah, new. you're right. Why do we have to? We don't have to like, you know, yeah, the radio listeners get their taste and then the and dedicated fans get. <laughs> yeah, they get a little, a little something taste. extra. Yeah. <laughs> so here's what I, here's what I want to do for our fans. So just so they know, here's the schedule. We're, this is a Tuesday afternoon that we record this. We, uh, we air on Radio Free Brooklyn at 6 a.m. on Thursdays. And then we're available for download on Saturdays. So a lot happens in the sports scene between when we record this episode and when you get to hear it. So Brian, give me your predictions for the rest of the week. Um, I think uh, the Yankees win their series. I think the Lakers win the NBA Finals. Okay. And I think Trump dies. <laughs> Does he do anything wild before he dies? Does he like, drop a nuclear bomb? She's just, just like, I'm going, everybody's coming with me. No, I think... On um, today is Tuesday. I think on Thursday, he on Friday he is readmitted to the hospital, and he dies Sunday morning, <laughs> just in time for kickoff. Okay, that's my prediction. Okay, <laughs> okay. So we have Trump, Trump back at Walter Reed Friday, dies Sunday morning, and how many games do you think the Yankees win the series in? <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, uh, I think it's, I think, uh, what is it? Three out of five? <laughs> yeah, best of five. <laughs> you're just, you're entertaining the question. You're just like, yeah, right. <laughs> I think they win it in four. Okay, win it in four. <laughs> win it in four, Trump dies in six. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, I like your predictions. I I support all of them. Uh, and, and I think the Lakers win in five, though I'm less confident about that. I don't know if you have a if you have a take. Uh, I mean, uh, my take is I I like Jimmy Butler. I do. I know there's a lot not to like about him, but I like right. him anyway. Yeah. You know, uh, I do I, think I, the I Lakers. It. I want to like him. Out, he, he's like he talks on trash and fun to watch and. His story's incredible, you know, the whole, like, he was homeless at 13, and now, like, it takes, what it takes to do that in a life, like, obviously, he's, like, made of stuff that I'm not, you know, <laughs> um, and he has every right to be proud of that, um, that fact, I guess, it's just, like, I'm just, I'm tired of these guys, I don't know, I'm just tired of hearing Jimmy Butler's the most competitive man on earth jimmy butler in a game of checkers would slit your throat and oh i know (laughs) i just like all right he's very competitive they're all freaking competitive it just feels like this weird branding exercise um i got sick of it with kobe bryant um you know rest in peace and i'm tired of it now with this (laughs) guy um it's just like it's a you know it's a gimmick. I don't know. It's not a gimmick, but you know what I mean. I'm just tired I of hearing you mean, about it. He wants to Jim- win. Nobody wants to win like Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler would sit on a, <laughs> on glass and he would shove a sword up his ass if it helped him win. <laughs> like it's just like, all right, you you're more competitive than I am. I get it. Like I'm weak and you're strong. And like God, I just Jesus. Also, like Jimmy Butler's competitive, so he's not as chill as LeBron with his insane workouts and sleep regimen and whatever else that guy does to keep his body right. he's the way it is after 17 too, years I guarantee yeah. you he's right pretty into this and wants to win 
right. um, really badly. He works really hard at it. Um, but then again, I get it. I get well, some where LeBron can rub people the wrong way, and Jimmy Butler is kind of his opposite. Yeah. Just and taking it to him, great stuff, wonderful. I get where that's exciting, and you want to see that. I yeah. get it. I get that. I get. I get it too. I get it. I'm um, sick of this heat my scene. prediction for the week. Well, yeah. I mean, it's hard to you know put our feelings about the Heat aside, although it has been 20 years since we played right, a meaningful right. game against I, right. them. So I, it's, like, I'm not like, it's not like I don't know. It is weird. I do feel like the heat thing like pops up every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, it's, 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 I just hate how they're this like premier franchise. You know, they were like when we were kids, they were gross. You know, until Riley know. got there, Remember right? The heat? Gross. Like, like the heat. Ugh. Yeah. And now look at them and look at us. I know. They're on top we're, and we're on the bottom. We're the Knicks. <laughs> we're the Knicks, right? Yeah. We're your gross. <laughs> gross. <laughs> All right, my prediction for the week. Uh, so uh, my mother-in-law emailed our local city councilman because of uh, the maskless folks that are in our local park. Oh, God. I can't even take my granddaughter to the park. <laughs> There's people who definitely don't live in our neighborhood, not wearing masks, running all over that park. You need to do something. Like, oh what's the God. city councilman going to do? So she emailed the city councilman. My prediction for the week is that our city councilman does not email her back. <laughs> <laughs> that is not responsive government. That's very right. disappointing. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, maybe he'll email her back. Action. Yeah. But he'll just be like, ma'am. Well, she what? is a citizen of this <laughs> state, the city. He owes her an explanation. A taxpayer. Right. A taxpayer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, Brian. Um, should we, just before we go, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we don't need to. Yeah. I was going to say, she, like, I was thinking about the Knicks recently because um, I was listening to Isola, Frank Isola, uh, nemesis of the Knicks, um, <laughs> talking about uh, Leon Rose and um, what the Knicks are going to do. And he was saying the eighth seed, like he feels like that's a possibility for this team and that should be a goal. Yeah, I saw um, that. What do you think? They should bother with that? That's well, yeah, I think they should bother with it. I mean, I think we should be competitive. I think we should be watchable. I think we don't know yet. I, I've noticed that, you know, so Frank Asiola, nemesis of the Knicks, and then you have Mark Berman, mouthpiece of the Knicks. But there's been a couple of Berman pieces lately about uh, like, I think he's talking about Kevin Knox as the centerpiece to any trade with Chris Paul, which is like, fine, <laughs> go right. take, take yeah, okay. Kevin Knox. We'll take Chris Paul. But, yeah. and then I saw somebody counter with, they thought that maybe that's a, a Leon Rose plant with Mark Berman to get the word out there, uh, uh, you know, to make it seem like we're not as interested in Chris Paul because Victor Oladipo is the real target. So I think we're going to have to see how a lot of those things shake out before we see what we really should be shooting for this year but i'm all for getting either oladipo or chris paul and having a watchable team playing the a seed and it's funny because you know the thing is i've been thinking a lot about this too because you know carmelo's been getting a lot of buzz and a lot of press and and whatever this season and i my frustration with those carmelo teams was i felt like i'm just annoyed that 
you know, like obviously they were the best teams we've had in the past 20 years, but you never, I never got the sense that we had any chance against the heat. So it, that kind of felt to me like, what's the point, but now I am just so starved for a decent basketball team to root for that. I will take, you know, Chris Paul, Oladipo, Gallinari, whoever send other schmucks out the door and just be competitive. Like be a team that I can tune into at night. I like it too with older guys, with veteran guys who aren't, at least if it's not like a really long-term deal, like whatever, be the seventh succeed for two years. And then I'm kind of yeah. warming to the Thibodeau, Thibodeau hire too, like that he gives us, I was saying, I feel like Thibodeau to me is like the sports equivalent of Joe Biden. It's like, he's fine. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 2020, 20, Biden, 2020. He's fine. <laughs> like that should be his, that should be on a billboard, right? Like right. That, I'm getting that bumper sticker and I feel like Tom Thibodeau. He's fine. He will do a fine job. That's all he needs. He's not standing not on a balcony wheezing <laughs> like he's going to collapse <laughs> and intentionally infecting his own staff um, for political gain. Uh, oh, and, and that's like tip Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> that's what he is to <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited though. Uh, when whenever the uh, the lottery is, it's no, the lottery already happened. So we're talking about the draft is in November or something, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's do a let's do a, a real Knicks deep dive one week in in when that's coming up. Yeah, we'll do we'll do something yeah. more more in depth. But I just wanted to take your temperature. Yeah, well, it's it's good bonus content for the true fans that download us. It is. Anyway. They want to hear. They wanted to get those little extra nuggets <laughs> yeah yeah all right scott i think that's enough all right for brian today I'll, I'll go return to my family and um slowly <laughs> get grumpier and grumpier until everybody <laughs> can barely stand the sight of me <laughs> and then i'll well, have two glasses the best of wine that. and cry myself to sleep <laughs> as is corona tradition <laughs> Uh, until next time everyone all right everybody thank you for listening as always um hope you'll keep joining us wherever you listen whether it's radio free brooklyn or on the podcast uh follow us on twitter and instagram giants am pod i believe and b domena um and then scott has a strange handle on twitter um, <laughs> look for us you'll find us we're we're slinging takes and nuggets and our facebook page is actually pretty fun where you'll get a lot of information there um and we're going to be doing fun things as we go along here yeah we're fun guys we're fun two fun guys (laughs) yeah spend some time with us everybody all right (laughs) all right till next week see ya